Uh, so like I said, uh, my name is Madeline, uh, a fourth year student, and I'm the director of communications for ELECTHER. Um, and so ELECTHER is a student-run club that aims to inspire uh, women and people of marginalized genders to pursue roles in politics. Um, and so we have interviewed actually quite a few people now um, across the board. And so we are really excited to have you here and to sort of get to hear your story and, and how you got to where you are and where you're going. Um, and so I would like to do a quick territorial acknowledgement before we get into to all of that. Um, I'm in Victoria. And so I will do the acknowledgement uh, that UVic uses. Um, so I'd like to acknowledge with respect that we live upon the Songhees, Esquimalt and Wasanich people's territory and that their vital relationships with the land continue to this day. Um, and so with no further ado, um, I'll let you introduce yourself and sort of your role. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me on in this uh, wonderful initiative, Elector. I think it's, I just love the title and um, I'm really happy to be spending this uh, time with you. Um, I am Yana Martin, born Yana Kim in Seoul, Korea, but I, uh, I started my life in Canada at age seven. I was a teacher for 21 years, thought I would retire in my classroom because I just loved the classroom so much. And then who knew that politics would find me in the way it did a little bit later in life. Uh, I it was somewhat unexpected and yet it felt like sort of the natural next thing. I'm uh, currently um, the deputy leader of the opposition in the Senate. So the deputy leader, I, I equate it to like vice principal, the first person in, the last person out. I'm the house leader in the Senate chamber. I have some counterparts I work with and I represent uh, British Columbia, but really work as a Canadian Senator for all Canadians. And uh, all senators have some, you know, special constituency groups or we can represent Canada on the international stage. We do bilateral, multilateral work. So it's, it's quite a, a broad spectrum of things, but of course I am a politician, a legislator, parliamentarian, and that's uh, what I'm doing right now. I'm in Ottawa speaking to you. And uh, do you mind touching on sort of what triggered that change from teacher to politics? Yes, this is a question I get often and people say, how did you go from the classroom to <laughs> politics? It seems like a bit of a leap or maybe even a, a giant leap. Um, I, I think at the time I thought that too. I just thought, how could that this happen? But in essence, you know, there's a very long answer, but just for the sake of time, I was, uh, I got involved in community work, so nonprofit work, and that too is a separate uh, response regarding like what inspired me, but it was my daughter, she was, uh, you know, four or five when she started asking questions about identity, so I knew that I need, I wanted to do something for her as her mother, but what happens with anything is when you volunteer, when you, when you do something for a really good cause, you sort of end up finding so much for yourself, so it was just sort of sense of belonging, a person of, Korean ethnicity, living in Canada, so like strong as two people, 100% Korean, 100% Canadian. So this sort of sense of identity became really clear to me. And I think just representing this um, 
Korean community that was in BC, I'm, I'm a BC resident, people were starting to notice, lots of politicians were noticing the growth of, you know, Koreatown and Korean restaurants, K-pop, all this cultural um, dynamism, and people wanted to meet and just talk about the community, and I met politicians. So the rest is history, but it was, in essence, politicians found me doing this sort of community work while I was a full-time teacher doing this non-profit organization for my daughter and other kids. But ultimately, I sort of became the voice and it led me to politics. So it just was a real call to do something, something more beyond just the Korean community, but bridging. And, I, and I'm so glad that I've had a chance to do that for over a decade now as a senator. And transitioning from like a long career as a teacher and sort of taking on that role of being the voice for a whole community how did you sort of build that confidence to take that that job on yes I was very scared and people were scared for me too they said you're going into you know they called politics the blood sport and I mean I really didn't understand it and in, on one hand when you don't really know ignorance is a bit bliss it gives you maybe a false sense of courage but I wasn't even thinking that I, I wasn't prepared, but I, I was scared, but I didn't know exactly what to expect. But I think, um, you know, your whole life is a prelude to this moment. So what had I done? I had taught in the classroom for 21 years. So I have to thank my students for grilling me with good questions, for keeping me on my toes, keeping me honest. And anytime I said something that was, I'm, I was not making it up, but I was trying to to sort of uh, show that I knew something and they would see right through me. So I think 21 years in the classroom, you know, all the world's a stage. I, I had this sort of attentive audience and I love teaching. I, I was an English teacher. I taught other subjects too, but just to be able to be in the classroom. And I think all of that, being able to communicate clearly, just really deeply caring about issues and, and the people that I was working with. So my students, their parents, this whole school community. So in essence, it, I, all that had prepared me quite well, but I didn't know when I first entered. And of course, dealing with media, communications in politics, it, there's some very specific strategies and skills. So I was able to get some training, just see others and how they spoke and how you bridge to the answers that you, you want to communicate to your audience. So in some ways, it was it's a lot like teaching. I could actually tell you all the parallels of my job now um, to when I was a teacher. And I think it, it has served me so well. And then all the community work that I did, I had to do it on top of my regular you know, school job and teachers don't stop teaching at the bell. They there. And as an English teacher, I was marking three hours a night doing all this prep, but I was also doing community work. So I think all that volunteering just really trained me to be efficient with my time, to be able to juggle multiple things and just really be um, effective and productive. So I feel like your whole life prepares you for whatever you're going to do next. So whether you're a student, volunteering, doing all these things, just getting life skills, that will all serve young people well when you, you take the step, perhaps you or others, because you just feel that call. You feel that so, it's, it's, it's your turn. You have a voice. You can be that bridge. So all of those things, uh, I think, prepared me really well. And so even coming in sort of with that base of knowledge, what do you think was the biggest learning sort of curve or opportunity um, in your political career? A lot of lessons, my goodness. Okay, the very first one for me that I, I just, if I had to say this is one of the biggest 
moments of reckoning is I was ra- uh, running in a, I, I ran in the 2008 federal election. So when I was a candidate campaigning, and it was a long campaign because there was a minority government. So we didn't know when the election was going to be. So it was about an 18 month campaign. But while I was campaigning in this one riding as the candidate, there, Koreatown, we call it Koreatown, it's sort of on North Road, you know, it straddles Coquitlam and Burnaby, but part of my writing was, had Koreatown in it. So there were people who wanted me to be just like really pro-Korean, raw, raw, the communities there, they're represented in this town. And then others who, the vast majority of the writing, you know, wasn't Korean. And so I felt like I was being pulled in these directions. I should be more Korean. I should be less Korean. Not that anyone was saying that to me, but it was just my own internal struggle. And one day when I realized that I just had to be me and who am I? So that, you know, I say the 200%, so 100%, 100%. So I think once I was just really clear about why was I doing this, I wanted to represent the writing. I was teaching in that writing. I was organizing festivals in the writing. So I had a lot, I'd had deep roots in the writing, but I happened to be of Korean descent and part of Koreatown was in the writing. So I just decided to embrace it rather than try to be what what everyone else wanted me to be. And that really helped me just to be more authentic as as an individual and as a politician. And I think one of the most important lessons I've learned as a politician in my very first year as a Senator is I learned that I needed to be impeccable with my words. I already was well-trained by my students, but in my first year, there was a question given to me and I wasn't quite ready to say yes, but I felt like, oh, I need to say it so that people don't think I'm not ready and I don't know what I'm doing. So I said, yes, one simple word. And that yes, as soon as I said it, a whole series of things happened and I had to chase my answer, meaning I had to try and catch up to this answer. What I should have said was, you know, I'm not quite sure. I'd love to answer, but I I need to double check. But instead I said yes, because I didn't want to have people think I didn't know what I was doing, that I wasn't ready my very first year. So I did learn that you just need to do more, say less, and and be impeccable with your words, say what you mean, mean what you say. So again, teaching did prepare me, but I learned that the stakes are pretty high and that I need to be ready for those answers because it's recorded forever. (laughs) Everyone is typing, the camera is on, people are listening, and uh, I will be called on it. So I, I really learned that very important lesson. And in those sorts of situations that are a bit higher stakes or it does feel like there's a correct answer. Um, How do you stay true to sort of like your values and what you believe in um, just as you go through your work? Well, that's a really important question because, you know, I have to, I am a conservative senator and uh, we have a caucus. I'm part of the national caucus and I have to know that when you're part of a caucus, it it means that you're part of a team, a family. And what I say will impact others naturally because we are connected by certain policies and values that as a party we share. I may not agree with 100% of the policies, but I have to be mindful of others that that could be impacted by what I say. So those things are all happening inside. But I think, you know, we have a pretty wide tent. We also know that there are certain issues that are so personal, that are deeply personal, and that 
the only thing you can do is vote with your conscience. So um, the leader, Erno Tool, as well as other members of our caucus, I know that there are times when people have had to just stand up and simply vote you know, based on, on, on those personal values first. It's not that I don't do that all the time. I just sort of, I'm mindful of the others that are I'm impacted by what I may do. So I'm, I'm very, I, I'm conscious of what I say and I try to be very impeccable with my words. So on matters of conscience, I'm very grateful that we have a, a party and a group of, and my colleagues who are so understanding and that, um, I have had, like, I'm a, I pers on a personal level, I do do a lot of reflection, but I, do, I pray, I meditate, and I really think about how, what, what's going on for me within, but I'm thinking about the other, and if you can do that, like I say, equally balanced, then I think you make the best decision in that moment. So you stand up, your vote is counted, and then you have to be able to justify. So I did meet with other politicians during my candidacy, people who are much more experienced, and they all said the same thing as they just said, you know, be, be honest with yourself and, you know, be aligned within. And if you have to stand for something very difficult, you'll be able to still do it, stand by your, your decision and be able to answer to others. So there have been some extremely difficult votes and I've, I've cried and, and just had difficult nights uh, tr waiting, um, anticipating the, the vote that I had to make. And I, you know, I have good staff, I have good advisors and I do a lot of self-reflection as well. So it, it hasn't been easy. It's not for the faint of hearted, I have to say, but I think like anything, if you can just be, look at yourself in the mirror and know that you've done your best. You know, that's all anyone can ask of you. And I think Canadians generally are very, very understanding and will respect the other, even if we differ on the final decision. And it might sort of be a continuation of that answer, but how do you stop yourself from being sort of overwhelmed in those moments of the, the moments of dread or the moments where you know there's just so much more work to do or uh, those situations that, that can get the best of you? How do you sort of stop that from happening? Well, I think we're human beings, so we can't be too hard on ourselves and we will have those times. So I did learn in my first year, I became quite ill twice. I had to miss, uh, be basically bedridden, you know, flat on my back for three weeks, both instances. And I think the, there was the first um, illness I had, which was I had shingles and it was on my face. And had I waited another hour, I could have had permanent damage, droopy face on my face. So when I think about what could have happened, you know, it unnerves me, but it was because I was pushing myself so much. So I know that I do have to be like conscious of my own limitations, but I do eat better. I try and exercise when I can. And I just try to be healthier because in my first year I was so sick twice. And, you know, it's a long, for me, it's, I, I'm serving to a certain time, but for all parliamentarians, one week can feel like an entire year. You're working so intensely. So it's that uh, health is one of the biggest, uh, you know, priorities that we must have. Otherwise we're not good to anyone, but like to, to not be overwhelmed, I think um, I have, uh, you know, learned to just uh, like dig deep and, you know, take a, take a deep breath. And there's, there's two voices in my head that's, that's quite constant. One of them is my mother. 
and she has dementia right now and she doesn't know who I am anymore, but she is like a warrior. She has overcome colonization. You know, she was born into colonization when Korea was colonized by Imperial Japan. There was the Korean War. She has, her family has, you know, lost and gained and been devastated. There were deaths and she had held her dying sister in her arms. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but she's one of the most courageous survivors that I had known. And she always said to me growing up, you know, do everything I never got to do because she didn't get to go to university. She just had to survive. And so she came to Canada, you know, with my father. My father came first. He was an international student in the U.S. to do his master's. But she, she always grew up, as I was growing up, she always just said, you know, do everything I never had a chance to do, in Korean, of course. So I hear her voice to this day. And the other voice I hear in my head are these Korean War veterans whom I have championed since I've become a senator. They sort of they sort of inspire me and they found me early on in my career. And I can talk about that separately, but at one of the events that they attended, you know, they held up a sign to cheer on this visiting Korean team or oh, the World FIFA, Women's World FIFA. They went to the game and they had these signs that they had made and they held them up and it said, be brave as we were brave in Korea. I mean, can you imagine these women far from home across the Pacific Ocean, the same ocean that the Canadians had crossed to go and potentially die for a country that they didn't even know. So I hear these words, be brave as we were brave. So I'm sitting there sometimes and I really don't want to say anything. I'm the house leader. I should get up. I should intervene. And it could mean that I could get, you know, attacks or criticism. There's a lot of times when I just wish I, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to crawl into that hole. But I hear those voices so they inspire me and they remind me that I too I've inherited the legacy of courage from my mother and my ancestors and that these Canadians were willing to die for my parents and those that survived the Korean War because of them so that really inspires me and allows me to just dig deep and just say okay I'm not going off to war. I'm not having to hold my dying, you know, sister. I'm I'm just having to be a voice for those whose voices are muffled or silenced so I can do that. So that's what allows me to do it and not be overwhelmed by the pressure. <laughs> and sort of coming in with with that background and and being a woman in politics, um how do you bring sort of an intersectional lens to to your work? I'm, I'm all of those things. And I think that sense of identity and authenticity that comes with it allows me to just be in that, be that hub. Sometimes I think about myself as being a hub of this wheel and there are many spokes and, you know, if they were to continue and cross one another, like I'm right there in that, you know, central intersection. So I do feel that that way or the Venn diagram, I'm a former educator. So these, these circles that, you know, intersect and, you know, that middle space, you know, I can be there. And some, there's sometimes you're the only person that could be there. So the same goes for you as it goes for me. We have those spheres that will overlap. And because I'm an Asian Canadian, I'm a woman, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant, 
like I wasn't born in Canada, so I understand the immigrant experience. Like all these things can intersect and right there, I can, I can be that central hub. So I know that I, I think about that all the time, but you know what's really amazing in Canada? So I should, I should share this with your listeners is that, like I said, I was strong as two people. Like once I realized that I could be both, I can be Canadian and of Korean descent, like these, these two parts that I can embody. Well, I have learned in my work as a senator that I could be, like, I can meet a perfect group of strangers and somehow they can adopt me, I can adopt them, and I can be in their world and then I could end up being their champion and their voice too. So I have learned that Canada is an incredible democracy. It's a young democracy, it's, it's an older democracy compared to many parts of the world, but also a young country compared to many other places in the world. And yet somehow an immigrant kid like me who didn't speak a word of English would never have dreamed that I could be serving in the Senate of Canada, can be here and I can be all of those parts and somehow be able to bring people together to bridge, be that bridge and to share that experience and just bring that to the table. So I've, I've learned that and experienced that firsthand again and again and again. And again, this might be a bit of a reiteration, but how do you feel that like your past experience brought sort of like new perspective to the role that you filled when when you were elected into it well I was I, I lost my 2008 election and it was narrowly lost and it was just one of those things that happened where the the votes ended up getting skewed because there was a, a sudden change but I know I did I did everything that I could at a great campaign team and I really didn't think I thought I was going to run again but instead um, the prime minister uh, Stephen Harper called and gave me an opportunity to serve in the Senate. And, you know, what's interesting is the, the reasons he gave to me during our conversation, it's not like he listed them, but in our conversation, he said these things, which I have sort of pulled out as the reasons he decided that I, I should be appointed to the Senate at that time. And there were, there must've been so many others that he could have considered, which I'm sure he did, but he just, you know, he said, you know, being a woman, that 52% of Canada, um, the Canadian electorate are women and more women need to be represented and the Senate is one place that can happen. And I know Prime Minister Trudeau has done the same, that more women have been appointed. And so we have, we're represented in larger numbers than in the House. And so that's a good place for the Senate to be that, is a place where more women can represent the electorate with the majority who are women. And he also said, you know, as an urban, as a Vancouverite, Urban Canada is so densely populated and you can bring your, the urban voice, the urban experience to your job and, and you know, be a voice for urban Canada, for the West Coast. So I thought, okay, well, I've been living in Vancouver for 40 years and okay. So, I mean, these reasons are not, I didn't do anything. So I'm illustrating the fact that, you know, we just, by being authentic, by clearly bringing our whole life experience, so all your whole life being a prelude to this moment, it will serve you well. So for me, um, he said, being a, having been a teacher, that I understand issues of the community, I have the pulse on the community, I've been working within. So naturally, I can bring that perspective. And lastly, he said, you know, you're of Korean descent. There's no other Korean Canadian parliamentarian in Ottawa, and you could be a voice for your community. So I was just myself. 
I happened to be that right person at the right time where I could serve just by being me. And I did learn over my time in the Senate that that's exactly what I need to do because what else could I do? What else can anyone do is just to be oneself. So I was a bit worried about not being a lawyer. Legalese is very difficult to even comprehend. It's English. I'm an English teacher, but I would I read my first uh, legislation and thought, what is that? The first paragraph made no sense to me. So I read it again. I read it again. The seventh time I finally thought, okay, I think this is what it's saying. And it was just so dense. So I I was very intimidated by legislation at the committee table when we were studying it. But I saw so many lawyers around the table. But I also saw that lawyers will go into the text and just split the finest of hairs. But as a teacher, I often look at the big picture and I, I bring the parts together and I'm able to, you know, see the holistic piece of something as well as the minutia. So I realized that my lens and my experience as a teacher will serve the Senate and Canadians well also. So I, I stopped being intimidated and just studied. And I now understand legalese and I'm able to read any piece of legislation and understand it. But in my first year, it was very challenging. I had to, I had to study and literally learn a new language. That's what it felt like for me. Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> and obviously you broke quite a few barriers by, by coming into your position. Um, and so for younger women or people of marginalized genders who are looking at a role they just can't see themselves there or they don't, they have no one sort of representing them in that field. How can they sort of build that confidence to decide to be, I'm going to be the one that changes that? Great and important question. You know, I, I heard something the other day that made me think, gee, that's an interesting way to describe it. I always think about my courage you know, I have to dig deep. I have to find it. It's in me. But I heard someone say courage is a muscle. I thought, hmm. So, you know, you have to exercise to strengthen this muscle. So in essence, you just have to just keep doing it. Like, don't be too hard on yourself. Just, you know, even saying yes, just showing up to an event. I learned that's something else I learned. I in my early on when the Canada-Korea free trade agreement was being negotiated and the minister was calling senators and MPs around the table to just uh, seek advice and discuss different issues. And I knew one of them was going to be that free trade agreement. And I had a vested interest because the Korean community, which I was representing, was quite keen to have that done. And it had been multiple years and it was very complex and elections and prorogations, everything just interferes. So it just was taking a long time. But I went to that meeting because I just wanted to be at the table, but I was very intimidated by the senators and MPs who knew way more than, you know, I did. And I, because I was new and I was, it was a very, you know, tight round table. We were all shoulder to shoulder with the minister and I was quite nervous. And it was minister Ed Fast. He's the Abbotsford MP um, at the time. And I didn't say anything. I didn't know where to intervene because everyone just knew so much. And I just thought I better just stay quiet. But he looked and we was just, and he, his eyes landed on me. And as soon as he saw me, he just said, oh, so how is that Canada-Korea free trade coming along? Let, let's talk about that. So I just remember thinking, okay, I just need to show up. 
And just by being there, being present, because obviously I was the only Korean Canadian parliamentarian. And I've experienced this again and again with other colleagues of all parties that sometimes like I've just by being there, um, I am that bridge. So we represent different, you know, communities and groups, whether we realize that we do or not, or whether we intend to or not, and whether we're prepared to or not. So this is what I've learned. And I think um, I, uh, I just, you know, the, a lot of these barriers for me were sort of psychological, emotional. And so in terms of that courage, whether it's a muscle, whether it's like just digging deep and it's a well, and we have to find it wherever the inspiration is. And I suppose for me, when I saw others, so, you know, you say, if I, I don't see myself there. So what, what do we need? I guess more women and this, this program in this series, you know, elect her. You're doing this so that others can see themselves reflected. So I always think when we meet people, um, for me and the other, I can be a mirror. I can reflect something back to you, maybe something you see in yourself, maybe something you hope to see in yourself, but it's a reflection of something. So I've met people in politics before and now that when I see them, it's like I'm, I'm looking at myself in some way, maybe a future self or my past self. Um, and then other times we are a window, a window to peer through and, and see that other experience or world or possibility um, you may not have ever seen it but through that person appearing before you or that having a conversation with you you get to see another world which is what books do for us or you know movies and such so I always think you know when I'm with someone I, I see the reflection and the window um, sometimes I, I'm peering in and just listening other times I really feel like something in something is happening in me. So we all do that for each other. And it doesn't have to be the same sex. It doesn't have to be the same ethnicity. So it's really amazing. So I, I told you that I, I've learned, I don't have to be like, I don't, they can be perfect strangers. So I do work with the Bulgarian Canadian community in Canada. It's a group that found me, they've adopted me, I've adopted them. I just, I'm sort of their champion on the hill. And I mean, who knew? If you had said this to me, I would said, I, 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 where is that? Where is Bulgaria? But now I feel so connected to this community. So these things happen and we don't even know when that reflection will be peering back at us or showing us something that we, we didn't see in ourselves just yet. So I hope that someone, you know, whoever's listening, watching, may do feel that same, um, that have that same phenomenon of a window mirror through this uh, conversation that we are having today. I mean, I sh I, I'm sure that they will because it's been very inspiring so far. So, um, and just sort of uh, to wrap up a little bit, uh, we'll just ask sort of two final questions. First, um, is there any other sort of words of wisdom, pieces of advice that you would like to leave with uh, future listeners? Well, you know, politics is um, really exciting. One of the reasons why I knew that I had to just pursue it was when I heard someone say to me why he loves politics so much. And he just says, you know, it demands the best of you all of the time. And I didn't quite grasp what he meant by that, but it's true, you know, nations can fall in a day and so much can happen one day on the hill. And so, and the stakes are high, 
Um, it's uh, in all levels of government, what the de decisions you make affect people's lives. So it's, it's really serious, whether it's the smallest of things or something just so explosively grand that you can't even wrap your head around it. But I've seen all of the above. So I do know that when I'm in when I'm here in Ottawa or I'm on a Zoom call like today or I'm uh, just working on various files and some I've been working on for like my entire Senate tenure. I haven't been able to resolve it, but I'm going to do my very best and I'm going to keep doing it. It demands the best of me. So it really makes you feel alive. But I think that's for any profession, whatever it is you're called to do when it's like your sort of fulfillment of destiny, you know, like you like you're there and it's and you can feel that this, there's a reason why I'm here, that you will have that real sense of calling. So I talked about the Korean War veterans and I've been able to do get a bill passed in their honor. It's, it's a bill that was inspired one sort of quiet hour in my very first year in the spring. I was just quite exhausted. I was overwhelmed. You know, I talked about how, what are my strategies, but, but it just something from within me and it, you know, a question popped in my mind and it led to a four and a half year process to have a bill um, enacted, the Korean War Veterans Day bill in their honor. Okay, so it did take a long time. I had to consult, I had to meet people and I had to craft and recraft. And there was a lot that I had to do to just ensure that it was going to get um, uh, royal assent. And it was four and a half years, but that's all I had to do. These veterans who had gone to Korea, 17, 18, 19, 20, and some who had families back home because they were World War II veterans, you know, when they like thank me profusely and hold my hands and with tears in their eyes on the day that it received third uh, reading in the house I was with five veterans and they were crying I mean that's what I've been able to do so yes politics found me it called me I feel so alive doing what I'm doing and it's allowed me to just do my very best and to be able to do something that has changed just how veterans feel about what they did, that it was not in vain. So I have done various projects, like I said, and so whatever it is one does, whatever profession you're called to, it's how you do it. It's yourself that you bring to it. So I, I should say that whether it's politics or you know whatever you may do in the lab that will be like all consuming or you know your future um i think you have a bright future i can see a lot actually um i i see many many things for you in the future um it's about being able to focus on whatever task is in front of you the person that's in front of you the attention you can give it and i think focusing is like quote unquote a muscle like the more you do the more you're able to block out the other things the past and the future because we can't control those just being present and you'd be amazed what you can get done in 24 hours so I compartmentalize a lot um, I can I because I have a family a mother who has dementia other commitments that I have I'm the eldest of my family my, my work that is 24-7, I could go forever and just never be done, as well as do all the other things that I need to do as a wife, as a mother, as a, you know, so, but how do, how do you do it all? And as you get older, you become more and more inundated with just commitments and responsibilities. So you just, you focus, you focus and do the one thing that's in front of you. And if you can do that, so much can happen in one day. So I guess I just want to leave your listeners your viewing audience just with uh, the message that he, the human being is is incredible we have 
incredible capacity and the people you surround yourself with, the mentors that you find, and the mirrors and windows that you have a chance of peering into will just uh, inspire you, will encourage you, and will allow you to just uh, become your best self. You just become more and more yourself. You don't age. You just become more and more yourself. So I, I feel that politics has taught me so much, and I'm really you know, grateful to the Prime Minister who appointed me, as well as all those who have been a part of my incredible experience so far. And with going forward, um, do you have any sort of what your next steps are um, as far as politics or, or out of politics? Well, senators are appointed until the age of 75. I'm 55 at the moment. <laughs> so it's a long time to be in a, in a professional life, but I will serve so long as uh, I am needed and it is you know, where I need to be. I mean, I hope my health will last for a long time. But what I do know with the Korean War veterans, their legacy is so important to preserve and honor. So I am working on a Korean War legacy project and a bunch of things. This is the 70th anniversary of the Korean War year two, and it ends on the armistice of um, 2023, July 27th. So I have a lot of things that we're planning for that. So legacy is a big one. And I think for myself, I do have a parliamentary internship program that I started in 2011. When I look at the young people that have come through our program and just see how incredibly bright and innovative and dedicated they are. Like I have such hope for our country. So I know I'll continue to do whatever I can to mentor and support the leaders of your generation and the future. So um, I just hope to be able to serve to the best of my ability, whoever needs me. So be that voice for those who need it. And if it's not me, who? So I will go where I'm, I'm needed. So as a parliamentarian, as a British Columbian, as a woman, as an ethnic, you know, uh, an immigrant. So I will continue to do all of these things. Well, I'm very excited to see what your next sort of 20 years, fingers crossed, um, in <laughs> the Senate sort of brings. Um, and again, thank you so much for, for taking your time, out of, for taking some time out of your schedule to do this. It, it means a lot to me and I know it'll mean a lot to uh, those who, who end up watching it. Um, and yeah, I, again, Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Madeline. You're a great interviewer, by the way. So oh, thank keep you. up the great work. And this is a wonderful initiative. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, I hope you have a, a good night and, and jet lag doesn't stick around too long. <laughs> yes, thank you. All right. Um, I'll send you an email once uh, it's up. And, and again, thank you so much. Okay, take good care. Bye-bye. You as well. Okay, bye.